Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning and welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. I'm your host, Soyini Koch. Wouldn't you love to be able to compete with a company 10 times your size? Well, today's guests are going to talk to us about exactly that. Today, we have Carol O'Kelly and Melinda Wilkinson from Sales Fusion, which is a company that has developed a really amazing marketing automation software. So, ladies, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Tell us a little about Sales Fusion and what your company does. Thanks for having us. Sales Fusion provides, as you said, a marketing automation platform, to, which is a, a tool that allows companies to automate everything that they do in terms of marketing, such as email marketing, tracking who's on their website, doing lead scoring, and really helping nurture all of their prospective customers through the uh, marketing and sales pipeline uh, in a way that tracks uh, good data about what that customer is looking for and when they might be ready to buy. Mm. And how does that help a smaller, mid-sized companies like the the companies that are typically on our show and listening to compete with other much larger companies? Absolutely. So marketing automation has been around for a long time and in use by large enterprise companies. For um, 10 to 15 years, it has been an accepted practice in companies of that size. And those are the kinds of tools that enable enterprise companies to do a really good job having expansive reach and getting out to prospective customers well ahead of when they might be making a buying decision. Traditionally, smaller companies and mid-sized companies have not had access to this type of a quality of a tool, and so they were really operating at a competitive disadvantage. The tools were not designed to be used by small and mid-sized companies. They required a lot of sophistication and potentially dedicated personnel to operate them, and of course, they were very expensive. With a platform like what we provide with Sales Fusion, our goal is to make that type of platform accessible to small and mid-sized businesses. So we've made it easy to use, we've made it affordable, and we've also paired it with what we call software with a service, not just software as a service, where we bring a lot of expertise that a small or mid-sized business might not necessarily have in-house. So we help de-risk the implementation of marketing automation by bringing our experience to the table and really acting as a trusted advisor or even a personal trainer to help ensure that they succeed with the platform. Hmm. So, Melinda, make this real real for us. Give us an example of a company that you know of that was able to punch above its weight, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Using using uh, marketing automation. Yeah, so you know, a great example is a company called Cataract Steel, and they're a manufacturer. They didn't have any sort of marketing in-house, uh, and they use a lot of independent sales reps out in the field. And, and they recognized that there really wasn't a way that they could communicate with their current customers when there were new product updates, or if they'd bought something 18 months ago and they were coming up on the, the end of life for that piece or that part um, that they had bought. And so... 
they didn't think that they could even use marketing automation. It wasn't something they even looked at, but they had talked to a consultant about how do we grow our business without spending a lot of money on a ton of salespeople and resources that way. And that consultant was like, you need some marketing. And so for them, though, since they didn't have marketing in-house, they were looking for a partner really to help them do that. And so they came to us and we worked with them to, to look at the, what their challenges were and what they were trying to accomplish. And, and really, we did, uh, you know, their campaigns for them. In their very first campaign, they came back with five new opportunities just from their first basic email campaign that we executed for them. Go ahead, Carol. Well, there's a couple of interesting things about this particular example. Cataract Steel is uh, a classic example of someone that was really not taking advantage of modern marketing tactics. It wasn't quite this bad, but imagine the old Rolodex where you have a stack of business cards. That's essentially how they were tracking their contacts. So they had sales reps out in the field who all had, you know, diverse set of contacts that they were managing personally, but they had no way of centrally tracking even those contacts, much less where there had been a conversation or a discussion about the fact that there was an opportunity coming up. So Things that are, uh, you know, that's a, a clear example where an enterprise company or a very, very large manufacturer is not operating in that way. So Cataract had been operating at a competitive disadvantage. Another thing that it has enabled them to do is they Cataract can now look out at their own manufacturing pipeline and they can say, oh, we have um, capacity becoming available on this particular set of equipment, for example. And they can now do a marketing campaign back to their previous clients who have used that type of, that particular manufacturing line in the past and go and essentially drum up business for uh, an area of their own, uh, where they have available capacity. And that has helped them uh, in terms of managing the overall efficiency and productivity of, of their own capital. I have a couple questions <clears throat> just to go back to the software with the service. Um, new buzzword. Yes. Um, go a little bit into some more detail about what it is, what it means, how it's going to change the way that people are interacting with all these now software as the services that they purchase. Sure. So traditionally, we've had something that we would call software, um, software as a service or mm -hmm. a SaaS business, and that's essentially that's you. And that's us. Okay. We are absolutely in that category. And the the. What SaaS means is that we have um, we install and run and maintain the software, and many many customers use our platform and we host it for them. So they're no longer installing it and having to have an IT department that maintain the software on premise. And that has been the trend in uh, technology for uh, more than ten years. Yeah, and I think most people are going to be familiar with that, even if they don't know the term. Correct. They have it. They have Salesforce. They have exactly Basecamp. They have et cetera, exactly. Et cetera, et cetera. So software with a service is the next evolution of software as a service. It's no longer that traditional deployment model where I train you on how to use the platform and then or not or not and then I wait, <laughs> you know, I, I don't just I don't just chuck it over the wall and leave you on your own. If you go and, and you look at the reasons that people, I'll give you that video, that <laughs> online video that you're never going to watch. Exactly. Yeah. And and so what we learned uh, as as a industry is that uh, if you went back to customers who were using software as a service platforms a year out and you said, did you achieve what you expected with the platform in the first year? Invariably, the question was no. And there were always lots of good reasons that customers weren't succeeding. There were competing priorities in the business. They had failed to uh, 
estimate the amount of um, change management or in, or expertise that was needed internally. And they just didn't know what they didn't know. So software with a service means that we're on the journey with you. So it's no longer just traditional phone and web support, which remain very important. But it's a relationship where we say, we're going to go ahead and build in to the, the single you know, subscription price a certain amount of consulting and guidance from us. So at the and at the outset of a project, we identify what your goals are, and then we hold you accountable. We hold you accountable to those uh, those goals, and and we have more expertise, so we can say, okay, if you want to be, if you want to do a full multi-channel marketing campaign leading up to this event or trade show in September, that means you need to be doing the following things in May and June and July. You don't achieve the, a, a September goal unless you go ahead and, and set that and create a work plan. And we know how to do that. And it, it allows us to um, help make our, our customers successful and help them achieve the goals that they very earnestly want to achieve, but sometimes just don't know how to. And I think this is of great material interest to, to CEOs because what I, I, when I've thought about or spoken with CEOs about email marketing campaigns or building sales funnels or building, you know, this this infrastructure that was going to hopefully lead somebody all the way from just being a suspect mm-hmm. all the way to being one of those five people that's now in the funnel and is now a, a customer. I have never or I haven't gotten a really good answer on how you actually build the stuff that goes into that's the, a great question. I try, yeah. right? How do you build the stuff that actually works that goes into the marketing right. automation? So in our case, that is one of the most important things that we bring to the table. By doing what I think of as sort of dividing and conquering around the work, if I take responsibility for operating the platform from a technical perspective, for being the one who does all of the deep extraction of data and reporting, that frees up time within the uh, the client's cu- uh, marketing department to go and develop fantastic campaigns and create really rich content. Those are the things that are best done, in my opinion, by the company itself, because no one knows better how to talk about their own product about the product than the company itself. So outsource the very tactical work to to someone like Sales Fusion. And you then take your time and focus on the things where um, you have, uh, there's greater strategic value and where you have something, uh, some knowledge or expertise that no one else would have. Hmm. Interesting. And then how do you measure the success of the entire system? Yeah. So, you know, really there's obviously a lot of KPIs that that people look at. And I think the biggest thing is understanding, uh, you know, what are your sales goals? And we actually do a kind of a reverse waterfall back to help them define then, you know, what are the number of new leads you need to bring in and actually track what those conversion rates are so that you understand the amount of volume you need at the top of that sales funnel to be able to deliver the bottom at the, uh, you know, the number at the bottom of the funnel. And with that, we look at a number of things. So, you know, at the very highest level, it's email metrics that are not very exciting and don't necessarily result in opportunities. But it's challenging to make sure your open rates are getting better with each different email that you send. It's doing A-B testing to to see if you can make a a better improvement with that next subject line. Um, It's understanding what your click-through rates are. Are people interested in the content that you're providing? Uh, But then more importantly, who converts on your website and what happens at the point that they, you know, score up and they're heavily engaged with your content to the point that they are ready to be handed over to a sales guy to actually make that call and, and generate the business? Sales guy or gal. (laughs) 
from what you were saying before, though, you don't really engage on the content as much as going back to the to the company and saying, well, you know, your click through rate is, is dropping, you know, push your marketing team to, to do something else. So a couple of things. First of all, in terms of um, the role <clears throat> that we play on the uh, on the engagement, we're very clear with our customers uh, what they do versus what we do. We're not a traditional agency. We're not developing creative. We're not doing uh, brand strategy. We're uh, not doing you know graphic design and 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 producing direct mail pieces, for example. We have a great deal of expertise, of course, about our own platform. We have a great deal of expertise about marketing automation in general. Melinda and I, for example, have both spent our entire careers in marketing and have had the opportunity to implement a number of different marketing technologies over the years. Uh, and, and then that applies to a lot of the people within Sales Fusion. But we're also, because we're marketers, we are opinionated about what people are doing. And so Melinda mentioned that we uh, engineer a funnel and we are able to look at what are the metrics, not just the volume, but the conversion from one tier of the funnel to the next. And we're able to then go back and provide advice to our, our clients to say, well, this is where uh, this particular tier of the funnel is where you don't seem to be achieving uh, what we would expect are typical results. Let's dive in and look at the following issues, which are typically problems that can occur at that part of the funnel. Great example. We had a client who said, I have a great open rate, but my click-through rate is horrible. And I said, let me dig in and read your emails. Well, in reading this email, you've all you've said is we're going to be at this trade show. We're in booth number 123, and we sure hope that you'll stop by and see us. Why would they click through to your website? There's no offer there. So while it's great that you've contacted them and you've let them know that you're at, going to be at the trade show, you need to create some sort of compelling content that they'll want to click on. And it shouldn't be click through just to find out more about my company. It should be click through to learn about how to solve a problem that your prospective customer is struggling with. And that is where you have expertise. And that's where you need to invest your time when it comes to marketing is thinking about how do I become an advisor to my prospective customer? How do I develop credibility with them and um, do what I call is the look smart at work program? How do I give them answers to some problem uh, that they're having and, and then develop the rapport on that basis, not on the basis of come by because I want to sell you something. Mm -hmm. yeah, come that, by because yeah. I want I know how to solve a problem that you're struggling with. Great. And, and so as you look at, drill down on the data for an individual customer, are you also able to then take a, a not necessarily a big data, but maybe a medium data approach, you know, by looking across your entire um, system to provide some insights as well? Absolutely. Benchmarking is really important. So for people to, to understand where they stand compared to their peers is definitely one of the things that we look at. And so when people come and they might, you know, we might see their what their clicks and their open rates and their response rates are to different campaigns, we're able to compare that to others like them, as well as just in the industry as a whole, what are the best practices and what should you be striving for? Mm -hmm. And how does this all plug into other parts of the whole marketing sales infrastructure for a company? Well, that's a great question for Melinda because she's a pretty deep expertise in how you plug marketing and sales technologies together. So yeah, because it's like you got to have the, the CRM and then you got to have this and then you got to have all this, you know, the other things that plug into the, the system. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the, the, 
the biggest thing is that some of the mistakes people have made in the past is they just go out and buy a tool. They go out and buy marketing automation and they don't think through the process changes that are necessary to make it succeed. And the first thing that you've got to do is have those processes in place. And a lot of that comes down to what are your service level agreements with your sales team? So defining what is a qualified lead? What are you going to accept from me as somebody that is worthy of your people's time to go follow up on and agree to what that looks like so that you can all be working towards the same, uh, you know, the same goal and agree on what that target audience is. You know, what is the criteria for for what you uh, would, would seem as a qualified lead for you? And then really making sure you've got that integration between your marketing and your sales tools. So CRM in, in this case, and an ability for the salespeople to see all the engagement that, that a prospect's had with marketing campaigns, that they can understand, you know, what they're interested in and continue that conversation so that's a consistent experience for the prospect and that they can uh, continue to talk about the things that are most important to them. As as a marketer, I've spent a lot of my career arguing with the sales department about where are the leads, where are the good leads. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so there's always the perspective marketing is saying, well, we're doing all of this, and we're generating all of these leads. And then sales, on the other hand, is saying, we don't get anything for marketing and we don't know what they're doing all the time. We don't know what they spend all this money on. To Melinda's point, if you can agree to service level agreements, what is a lead? What 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 are, what characteristics? What qualifies a lead? What uh, you can get people on the same page, and you can stop some of the of that historic uh, debate. And I think that that's one of the greatest things that the um, the maturation of sales and marketing technologies has brought to the corporate environment is that now there are a lot less, a lot fewer reasons to be arguing about where the leads are because the data speaks for itself. Yeah. So tease out this idea of a service level agreement for me. Yeah, absolutely. So some of it, it goes both ways. So it's identifying who's the target audience. So you make sure that you agree because Believe it or not, some people haven't even done that. Marketing might have their idea of what the target market is, and sales has their own opinion. So making sure that you agree on what that is. Understanding what is the criteria for a qualified lead. So some people might use BANT, so budget authority, need, and timeline. Or it might be a lot less. If you're if you're hungrier for more leads, you might loosen that criteria up. So defining out, this is what a, a qualified lead is. And then additionally, having some agreements in place of what's the timeline that sales is going to follow up with that lead? Because the, the biggest frustration on marketing's part is that you generate these things that are qualified and then they just sit there and go stale. So in most cases, you know, it's, it could be a 24-hour, 48 hours, whatever that is, but agree to within this amount of time, there's going to be a sales rep that follows up on this. And if not, marketing's going to take it back and put it into a nurture campaign or do something to continue to nurture that relationship so that it doesn't just sort of die on the vine out there waiting for a, for a salesperson to make that call. These are important conversations for sales and marketing leadership to have because when you think back to that historic argument that I'm describing, uh, the marketer feels like they're passing good leads and they're saying, well, I sent you, um, you know, the following leads and these were uh, the directors of purchasing in companies of this size. And then the sales uh, lead might say, well, I don't deal with directors of purchasing. I only want to talk to um, vice presidents. Uh, uh, and and so I just, I, I don't do anything with those. Well, imagine marketing's frustration that they've spent time, money, and effort targeting the director level when the sales department only wants to target the VP level. And of course, that's a very rudimentary example, but if you but it's can- real. It is very real. And so if you can hone in on that and have that agreement as to what what, who is our target audience even, um, that's a great place to start. And then to decide what's the timeline for follow-up. And 
to Melinda's point, to actually sit down and write these things down and then check in and say, how are we doing towards this? Are we achieving our own service level agreement? And if we're not, does that mean that we have put in place parameters that uh, don't apply to us and that we need to refine those? Or does it mean that someone is um, slacking in terms of keeping up on their end of the the bargain? And the reason why I think this is so interesting is I think this is <clears throat> this is the CEO level conversation, right? Because mm-hmm. the CEO is going to have to be the one to negotiate and make sure that this this kind of dovetail between sales and marketing actually happens. It's one of the most fascinating things in my own experience of going from being a chief marketing officer to being a chief executive officer. So I'm accustomed to having been the CMO who was, you know, had a a, a very definite dog in that fight. Now I'm the CEO and and I'm the one that's trying to get straight answers and alignment out of two uh, different departments on my team. You know, I have some long lingering biases from my years in marketing, I must admit. But uh, Melinda has done a, a, a great job. And as I say, she has a lot of expertise in the alignment of sales and marketing, not just the technology, but the processes. And so she makes it very, in, it makes it easy uh, for me to get straight answers out of my sales and marketing leadership. Well, and the biggest thing I think is for the marketing person to be focused on opportunities created. I, a lot of the frustration on the sales side typically comes from marketing talk about all these great leads we created. But, you know, the idea of some of those leads aren't probably as qualified, mm-hmm. but a real opportunity in the pipeline is what sales cares about. And so if you start to really focus on those numbers that are the most most important to them, and then talk through the ones that marketing generated that actually became a customer, you start to talk in a language that they care about because it's actual dollar revenue and pipeline that, that matters to them. Great. So for those of you listening, we're talking to Sales Fusion, CEO Carol O'Kelly, and CMO Melinda Wilkinson about marketing automation and how to make sure that your sales and marketing and everything work together well and produce great opportunities for you. Just to turn the conversation a little bit to your relationship, um, which is what we talk about in the second half of the show, it's fascinating that the two of you have known each other for such a long time. Tell us a little bit about how you met and the evolution of, of your relationship and working together. Absolutely. Well, Melinda and I first met in 2001 when she was a green graduate of the University of Tennessee, who was working for Accenture at the time. Worked for a company called Retech, which is now part of Oracle. And we were putting Mm. together a project where Accenture would do some staff augmentation for us. And I needed to go through and identify the first set of consultants who would help us on this project. And I like to say I hand-selected Melinda's resume (laughs) from the pile. Uh, But... um, But I did choose her for the project, and she uh, came and worked uh, in uh, the um, quality assurance department of that technology company. There are a couple of things about Melinda that stood out to me. First of all, she spells her name a little bit unusually. It's M-A-L-I-N-D-A. And so that made her name recognizable to me later. But also, um, she was different than most consultants. She really made herself seem like she was an employee at the company. I can remember going over to an employee's house for a barbecue that he was throwing for the department. And, you know, it's families, it's a Sunday night, and here comes Melinda, the only consultant, you know, at that time, young woman not married, no family, and uh, she made it a priority to join that event on a Sunday night, which I'm sure was a great inconvenience (laughs) to her and did not contribute to her billable hours. Uh, But she did it, and um, it really made her stand out to me. And so, Several years later, we had not kept in touch. Uh, I was working for Manhattan Associates. We acquired a company, and I saw a name. Melinda had by this time gotten married, but I recognized the strange spelling of Melinda, and I said, wait, I know her. 
she's smart. She's really on the ball. I have an opening on my team. I'm drafting that player. Mm. And uh, it's, we've been off and running. So I think this is the fourth time that we've worked together since 2001. Mm. This notion of longstanding relationships, I think, is, is a theme, right, across all the, the companies that we've interviewed on, on CEO Exclusive. And so, Melinda, I would love to get your perspective on, like, why you wanted to be a player, yeah. On Carol's team. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for me, first of all, I look at if you go through an acquisition, I had just been with a company that Manhattan acquired for a couple of months. And so, and that was my first experience. Now I've been through so many acquisitions <laughs> on both sides of it, uh, you know, that I feel like I've earned earned my stripes there. But at the time, you know, that's an, an uneasy process to go through and the uncertainty of if you're going to have a position going forward. And so really at the very beginning, it was the fact that she gave me the chance. So if I look at the role that she had open on her team, I had no experience for it whatsoever. She had a comms position. That's open. true. <laughs> she had no experience. No experience whatsoever. You know, I at the software company that they acquired, I was a product marketing person. So, and I had gotten that position because of my experience with a competitive product. And so, it was more on the, uh, the you know, the, having that software knowledge. She had a communications position open that was running a PR team. I had never done PR ever in my entire life, and but she killed it. <laughs> uh, but she, that, she gave me the opportunity, and that was the first. The first part of it was the fact that she's. Willing Willing to give people, uh, you know, first of all, spot that talent that that maybe is under the surface and and not, not necessarily visible to everyone else, but to see that talent and to give people that opportunity and then the support to be successful. So I, you know, I, I still remember her talking to me once I was there on the first day, and she's like, "Look, let's not tell people you've never done this before." And um, we're, <laughs> that's good career advice. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get you the support that you need. You know, we've got a PR agency in place. I'm gonna have you work, you know, one on one with them to learn the things that you need to behind the scenes so that you can lead this team successfully. And then to be there along the way to give me the advice to learn, uh, you know, truly on-the-job training. Well, unless anyone think I'm insane for bringing on <laughs> someone who'd never done that before, I have a hiring philosophy which says you look for people who can get things done. And I don't usually say things. I say something I couldn't say on the radio. But Melinda is the type of person that knows how to move the ball down the field or figure out how to move the ball down the field, even if she doesn't have expertise. She just has a certain wherewithal and intuitiveness and work ethic that allow her to take on things that she hasn't done before. And I knew that from my experience with her previously. So it didn't matter so much to me whether she had functional expertise in a particular function of marketing. It much more mattered to me that she was smart and hardworking and could be trusted to do what she said she would do and figure out how to get things done. And so it's not just that I was willing to give Melinda the opportunity. Melinda had earned the right to uh, be given that opportunity because of the work that I had seen her put in in the past. And I know that, that, that leaders make that decision often, right? They, they choose based on character mm-hmm. before um, expertise. How do you know when... How, tell us a little bit about the when you feel like you can do that and when the expertise is like you got to have it. Sure. So um, certainly I'm not going to hire anyone into um, the medical profession, for example, who doesn't have the training and, and certification that, that, that they would need. Um, so fortunately, uh, being in the industry that we do are in, we have a little bit more room. It's more difficult to do with something like a technical position. For example, an engineer, you just have to have a certain amount of engineering background and experience to be able to do that job. But we have other um, opportunities within our company where I do feel like we have that flexibility. So, for example, in our professional services organization, we tend to hire a combination of people who have marketing backgrounds and people who have teaching backgrounds. Because in our professional services organization, not only are we working alongside with our clients to execute their marketing programs, we're also trying to teach them 
how to you know, teach them to fish. And so we bring in people with both of those experiences. I think it's really important in the interview process to ask good, hard questions and ask people, what have you had to work really hard for? Tell me about that. Tell me about uh, experiences where you failed. Tell me about times uh, when you hit an obstacle and you had to figure out how to move on. You have to really ask those very experiential questions and listen very carefully to the answer and not just take the answer, but then dig deeper and ask a, 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 you know that second and third level question that, that comes out of listening to their answer. Really get to the bottom of that. And then, of course, checking references and understanding, you know, do people have the kind of gumption that you're looking for? So what's the best part of having this kind of long-standing relationship that stretched over the stretched a lot of over bad things? <laughs> <laughs> whenever, whenever someone new starts working for me, Melinda pulls them aside very quickly and tells them like all the tricks, the trade of working with me. Don't I, schedule a meeting after two o'clock. <laughs> just, apparently, I'm just terrible after two. Although I noticed recently, you've scheduled several afternoon meetings. On, uh, but she tells them that. But she also tells them that I'm listening even when and when I think I'm not listening. So you know that it. It sort of has two sides to it. The you know the good side is she knows how to uh, work me, but the the flip side is that she knows every quirk and even quirks about myself that I'm not aware of. <laughs> that, but I think too we can speak in shorthand to each other too. So it you, you know you cut out a lot of time just because we do have those shared years of experience that we can rely back on some of our you know talk about that one project and say one word about that project and immediately we know what we're talking about. Or so. even refer to an individual that we have worked with in common in the past and you know oh oh right. Yeah, okay, I get what you're saying. It's totally a, you know, John Doe type situation. Great. Well, thank you so much um, for a great show. Very insightful. Tell us about what's happening at Sales Fusion that's new and exciting that our listeners may be interested in knowing. Sure, a couple things. So we're um, in the process of launching um, an expanded version of our uh, software with a service. It was has been so successful in the last two years that we're really um, transitioning the way the company goes to market uh, so that that is the, the primary uh, way that we deploy our platform. And then we're also introducing a new uh, part of the product that will have a heavy business intelligence component that will allow our clients, whether they're doing uh, a traditional deployment or whether we're working alongside of them, to take a much, much deeper dive into the analytics of how their marketing programs are working. And we'll be launching that in the second quarter. And we're super excited about the potential because I think Melinda and I would say we're both data geeks. And we're (laughs) excited to have that not only for our own business, but for all the clients that we work with. What would you add, Melinda? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's what I am most excited about. So it's the visualization of the data. So we have all that data available today, but it ne- right. isn't necessarily in the easiest to view type of way. And so the visual, visual, vis- I can't even say the word. Visualization. Vision. See, after Thank working, I, I can fill in Melinda's um, that's right. when she can't speak, I can speak for her. Exactly. So I think that's what I'm most excited right now for my own business and then what we're going to be able to do for our customers. Great. So for everyone listening, we've been talking to Sales Fusion CEO Carol O'Kelly and CMO Melinda Wilkinson about marketing and sales automation and how to make uh, your revenue generation even better than it already is. Um, You've been listening to CEO Exclusive. I'm your host, Soyini Koch. Thursday, you can check out our blog where we're going to highlight the key takeaways from today's show. I hope you have a productive, prosperous, and very profitable week. Thanks. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at anonaenterprises.com.